0: everybody and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm excited to bring you another episode on Boundaries. I got so much positive feedback from the last interview I did with Terry Cole on boundaries. I wanted to bring in another incredible expert to talk about setting boundaries. So her name is Nedra Glover Tawab, and you've probably seen her because she's been everywhere. She has a huge following on Instagram. I really love what she puts on Instagram. She's been in the New York Times. The Guardian Psychology Today and so much more. She is a licensed therapist and sought-after relationship expert has practiced relationship therapy for 12 years and is the founder and owner of the group therapy practice Kaleidoscope Counseling. As I mentioned, she runs a very popular Instagram account where she shares practices tools and reflections for mental health and hosts weekly Q&As about boundaries and relationships. Her new book is called Set Boundaries Find Peace. You can find it on all the places, Amazon and all the things. And I encourage you to really listen carefully to this episode because there's so much good stuff that's shared and we can never learn enough about boundaries because if we really want to have healthy, thriving relationships and like ourselves and not die with regrets and resentments, Then setting boundaries and maintaining those boundaries is so important. And Edra shares so many ways and tips in which we can do this. I think you're really gonna get a lot of value out of this exercise. And I tried to talk about things that we didn't cover in the other. Coach's Corner that I did on boundaries. So this is like your boundaries bonus, you know, part two with just an incredible, incredible woman. So enjoy this interview with Nedric Lover Tawab. Before we dive in, I want to thank Organifi, my sponsor for this week. We're hitting the road again. And one thing that's always in my bag and my carry-on bag, because I don't want to lose them, are all my Organifi green packs, red packs, and immunity packs. So Organifi is one of my favorite organic superfood and nutrient company. And you get 20% off the entire store, your entire order, when you go to Organifi.com slash n i f O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. I mentioned the green juice, red juice, and the immunity packs are so much more. I love those three things. Because when I travel, I can just pour them in a water bottle, shake it up, and I get so many of the organic nutrients that often I can't get when I'm traveling. I mean, airport food, hotel food. I mean, I can only pack so many avocados and apples and cucumbers in my bag. I always get funny looks from security. Anyway, I make up for it with my Organifi products. So again, Organifi.com slash over it for 20% off and you get free shipping now until June 12th. So place your order now. You have less than a week left. Again, free shipping until June 12th. Nedra, welcome to the show. I am really, really grateful you're here. Thank you for joining me today.
1: You're so welcome, so happy to be here.
0: And I have a lot I want to ask you, a lot that I want to talk to you about because you're a licensed therapist, you're an expert on boundaries and relationship and how to feel safe in ourselves and our relationship, self care, all the things that we talk so much about on this show. Before we dive into your expertise and your passion, Would you mind sharing your origin story, how you decided to pursue the path of becoming a therapist?
1: Well, you know, I became a therapist when I became a therapist. I think so much of what we do is what we think we want to do. And we are not sure until we get into the space of this is it. Mm. And that's how becoming a therapist was for me, my first client, just being in the space and recognizing the unique power of having the job of a listener and being able to guide someone through a process. It was almost like the epiphany of, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is why I've been listening to people all these years. This Mm -hmm. is why I like this other thing, you know, like all these things came together in that moment, because I have always been drawn to self-help and watching the Oprah show and, Mm. you know, talking to my peers extensively. Like that's always been my thing. And I just thought it was like, Oh, I like to talk. But what I learned is I really, really enjoy listening. Mm. And so being a therapist, it was so effortless. It's so easy to me because I think it's the thing that I am supposed to be doing with my life.
0: Mm, I love that. And I want to highlight something you said, which is you enjoy listening. We have a lot of therapists and a lot of coaches that listen to the show. And I think often early in their career, they're supposed to have the answers. And one thing that I've Mm -hmm. learned as someone in this space is that listening really is my superpower when it comes to this profession Would you mind just speaking to the power of listening and how we can let go of sort of that that need that maybe comes from insecurity or performance that thinks we need to have the answer and the power we have as healers or coaches or therapists to really listen and what listening really means?
1: Well, listening is, gosh, just being present with someone and not pushing yourself to have a solution. A lot of people think that therapy is being given a solution to something in your life. But I believe that people already know the solution. They just want you to validate it or affirm it. But mostly my job is just pulling the solution out of them because Mm -hmm. they already know. Mm-hmm. It's like, should I move? It's like, well, what do you think about? I really want to move. Well, we have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have an answer, don't we? Yeah, you have an answer. I didn't mm-hmm. have to tell you to move. See how we did that?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, when a lot of people call into the show and, and I just test it, you know, I tell them, yeah, move. And they're like, oh, and I said, well, there's the test. When I said that, you felt relief. So you already knew you were just wanting permission. And I feel like that's what so much of us want when we ask someone what we should do. We absolutely know the answer, but we we it helps to have that other person validate it. It helps to go, you know what, Christine, your intuition is is spot on, listen to it. Which brings me to another question. In your experience, both being a human on the planet and working with people over the years that you have, Why is it so hard for us to listen to our intuition? What really gets in our way?
1: Second guessing ourselves. I think so many times we know what we want to do, but we think about, is this right? How will the other person feel? Am I crazy? Um, Is there a way that I could do this differently so I can continue to suffer? Or, you know, like we go through these processes when really it's just like, you know, go with what you're feeling, and and if you're if you're really unsure, maybe just pausing until you're clear and not mm. continuing to be in the thought space of what if this, what if that. Maybe you need to pause.
0: Mm. Mm. Sometimes the answer is I don't know, and that can be an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that is an answer. Yeah. I love it. I don't know. <laughs> I wish we said I don't know more in this culture because, and when I say culture, I mean american culture because i can't tell you how many people will give you the runaround particularly in service and i always think i wonder why they didn't just say i don't know yeah <laughs> just you know it's like oh maybe it's over here on this or maybe it's on this hour maybe it, just say i don't know so i can go and ask the person who actually knows yeah it's okay to just say i don't know what i want to eat i don't know where this thing is I don't know what you should do in this situation. Whatever those things are, we feel really pressured to have an answer and not just any answer, the right answer. Mm -hmm. So lots of times we'll just make stuff up. We'll Mm -hmm. just make it up.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and we don't really love uncertainty either. I think uncertainty is so Mm -hmm. triggering for so many of us and we want control and we want certainty and we want to know. And what I've learned is sitting in that space of I don't know, which sometimes is a little anxiety provoking because it's like, oh, I just want to know so I can plan, so I can make those next steps. But I found when I really sit in that place of I don't know, and that is my answer. That that is my clear answer is I don't have enough clarity around that. Then either I'll get an answer or something else that wasn't even an option I was considering reveals itself but when we're so quick to decide yes or no, or should I move or shouldn't I, or should I do that, or shouldn't I do that and should all over ourselves. It's like sometimes those, those deeper answers, those more aligned answers don't have the opportunity to reveal themselves because we're so addicted to certainty. Have you found that in Mm -hmm. your, with your clients as well, that often if they have that spaciousness, that an answer that they didn't even think of will come.
1: Absolutely. And I I feel like when I've, when I personally have made really tough choices, the answers have been quick. Yeah, It hasn't been like, oh, let me think about this. It's been like, no, you shouldn't do it. You know, it hasn't been like, should I, should not? You know, sometimes we're not pausing the beat and waiting for that clarity. We're really trying to force an answer. You know, a lot of times I'm in my session with, you know, you don't have to make a, a decision today. Right. We, we, we don't have to solve this problem today. It's not anything pressing. You know, you're not talking about buying a, a $10 million house for $5. It's not anything is like you got to act on quickly.
0: <laughs> so, right. right. You know,
1: this, this issue will be here next week. So we can continue to talk about it. We don't have to do anything with this today.
0: That's such a good point. It's one thing I've learned is there's few decisions that are truly urgent. I make them urgent a lot of the times, but there Mm -hmm. are a few decisions that are truly, truly urgent. And, and then to piggyback on what you said, there are those things that we just know. And this is, this Mm -hmm. is something for us to dive into because this comes up a lot. A lot of people that call in and listen to the show and clients that I work with when it's a big decision, like leaving a career or leaving a relationship, Mm -hmm. they know, they know Mm -hmm. this isn't the right job for me this isn't the right relationship, but they don't know what's next or they have tremendous guilt because there's kids or I've we've been together so long or maybe he'll change or maybe she'll grow or maybe the job will get better or maybe I won't have another job after that. So when we're in these places where we know, like deep down in our gut, we know, but we feel paralyzed because we can't figure out how we can leave. What do we do? Mm -hmm. What's a Mm. first step?
1: Creating a plan. You know, most things in life, we, we, we plan to do those things. When you leave home, you plan to leave home. You plan to go to college. You, you, even if you didn't plan to get pregnant, you plan to have a baby. So plan.
0: Mm. 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 And I find that planning sometimes is so hard when, like you can't see the forest through the trees, right? When you're like, I, I don't know, you know, how I can possibly, if I leave this job, get another one. But maybe the planning doesn't have to be that far. Maybe just the planning is something as simple as I'm going to quit this job by this date. Would that count as a plan? Could we just take baby steps and make those a plan?
1: Yeah. So I think baby steps are steps and we have to treat them as such. You know, the the biggest step is is a leap. And, Mm. you know, as we're walking, typically we're not leaping to places. We're making small steps to get to the end of the street, to get to wherever we're going. And I think it's that same way with planning that once we have something in front of our you know, in front of mind, we want that thing today. We want it now. Like, how do I get out of this? And mm. we have to plan and we have to be patient in that planning and know that that things will happen um according to plan as long as we stay on course. And that might be three months, six months, one year.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes I don't go according to plan and that's okay too, because we're back to the conversation of often we're led in a different direction, one that we didn't even expect. And that's often better. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about your new book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. What prompted you to Mm -hmm. write a book about boundaries?
1: So much of my work from the very beginning has been around boundaries. It has been around helping people in relationships through difficult points, helping them with burnout, helping them with um, connection issues, helping them with work-life balance, and so, so many things that lead back to boundaries. So it was a really organic process. I hear a lot of people say like, it's so hard to write a book. And I I agree, there were some difficult moments, but I think being able to write down what I'm saying constantly to people, it wasn't a bad process for me Mm -hmm. because it's like, I say these things all the time. This is the work I've been doing um, for 14 years now. So to be able to have a space to put it all that was amazing. I just had to think of what do I say in this situation? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this is what I would say, <laughs> you know, these mm-hmm. sort of things. Uh, but, you know, it, it was really an organic process because it's something that I talk about so, so often in my work with clients.
0: Mm hmm let's talk about boundaries a little bit. What are some key signs that a person needs some healthier boundaries or that they need boundaries just to begin with any boundary? What are some telltale signs that we do not have boundaries in our life?
1: Most of us have boundaries and we can have boundaries that are porous, which means that we know what we want, but we haven't communicated it we feel uncomfortable. We haven't let someone know. We let people take advantage of us. Those are poorest boundaries, healthy boundaries. We communicate them. We advocate for ourselves. And they're rigid boundaries. We have boundaries, but they're so strict that it keeps people out. It keeps people away from us. We lack closeness and relationships. So most of us have some type of boundary in place already. It's just a matter of, is your boundary healthy? Mm -hmm. Now, when we have unhealthy boundaries, what typically is happening is we're feeling taken advantage of. We need help and we don't know how to ask for it. We need support and we don't know how to ask for it. Instead of um, relying on other people who may be willing to help us, we do everything ourselves. We're burnt out, we're frustrated, we're resentful, we're anxious, we're depressed. All of these things can be an indicator of a boundary issue. What I find really interesting with anxiety in particular, over the years, I've treated a number of folks with social anxiety. And sometimes it's really them being around particular people. It's not social anxiety in every social situation. It could be, Mm. I feel anxious when my parents come visit. It's like, okay, what's going on with your parents? And then when you talk to them about it, it's like, oh, they come to your house, they take over, they tell you where to sit. Okay. That is, it is social anxiety for sure, but really it's a boundary issue. And we need to talk about how to communicate your needs for your, you know, with your parents. So you're feeling more comfortable at home. And that typically will alleviate that particular type of anxiety. So there are cases where uh, mental health issues come up as a result of unhealthy boundaries.
0: Mm. I I love what you said about you don't necessarily have social anxiety. You have anxiety with particular people or particular situations because of a lack of boundaries. That's such a key distinction because I think that we can, you're right, we can lump things together and label ourselves with, oh, I have this social anxiety or, oh, I'm too much of an introvert or I'm too much of a hermit. And that actually may not be true. We might just have some Boundary issues, for lack of a better word, that we haven't really looked at. So let's use that example you gave with the with the parents because that's a good one, and that tends to be where a lot of people may have some some trouble setting boundaries because the relationship with our parents can can be so complicated at times. So in that situation mm-hmm. of like, I have anxiety when my parents come over. What are some questions we can ask ourselves? What are some things we can do to start to unpack? You know, what lines are being crossed and what are some boundaries we need to put in place? And then finally, how do we do that?
1: Well, I think the work of boundaries is a little more simple than we make it because it is communicating. I need, I want, I expect it would be nice if, right? Right. The challenge is our mindset around placing the boundaries. So the wording is not the difficult part. It is our mindset that we have to get in alignment with our desires and needs and relationships. Many times, particularly with family, we have been in roles that may no longer work for us. And so we're in these roles. We're frustrated with being the person in the family who's always helping plan vacations or who's always, you know, getting everyone together for the holidays. And so communicating that can be tough because, you know, it doesn't seem like there's anybody else who will do it. And so if you don't do it, it won't be done. So you think. Mm -hmm. And so communicating the boundary would be, you know, I do not want to be responsible anymore for planning family gatherings. I am taking myself out of the mix, right? The real boundaries work is working yourself up to being able to say that in a family where you feel like that's what you're known for.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a key point because if that's what you're known for, it's so hard to make the change because then we start to get into, well, that's how I get love. That's how I get validation. That's how I get my my sense of worth in the dynamic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's I I know especially for me and in working with people it's when we set a boundary there's also sort of a new mm, I don't know or to use identity or role <clears throat> that we're playing in the dynamic. So any tips for how we go through that transition especially if you know cuz often we set the boundary and the people we're setting it with may not like it. <laughs> they may have an opinion about it uh-huh. or they may get uh-huh. upset about it. So any tips for, you know, self-care and holding, because they're setting the boundaries and then there's holding them, for holding those boundaries as as we start to really change our role in the dynamic of a family or a relationship.
1: The important piece is to remember that you're entitled to them. And a, and a really good way to remember that is to consider all of the boundaries that everyone has with you because other people have boundaries and we respect them all the time, all the time we're respecting other people's boundaries. And we really have to empower ourselves to know and believe that we too are entitled to have the same thing as everyone else. Mm. Free time, um, time away from work, a moment of peace um, during the day. Um, personal time away from your kids. Like these are all things that we see other people doing. So we already know boundaries. We have to gain the courage to really implement them in our lives.
0: Mm. How do we do that? (laughs) Because what I've seen is we get to such a breaking point where we're like, oh, I'm a doormat. I'm a people pleaser. My mother calls me every day. I have no time for Mm. myself. And we're exhausted a lot of the time and often Mm. it can come from anger or just frustration. So how do we really work on developing the courage and maybe even the confidence to set boundaries so we don't have to get to the place of just exhaustion and frustration?
1: Yeah, I think lots of times we have to get tired enough of Mm. what we're experiencing to, to really change and to really stop allowing things that we don't want in our lives to occur.
0: Right.
1: And many of us, we want things to be different, but we don't want the, we don't want to be the one to change them. It's like, can someone else come change my life for me? Can we just make them stop it? And that does not happen. Mm. And once we get to the point of tiredness, enough burnout, frustration, rock bottom in our thinking, then we then we change. Mm. But there has to be a desire there on our part. We can't you know, you can't push people before they're ready. I've experienced in, you know, with with therapy, people will talk about the same issue as long as they want to. Yep. And I can't make them, I can't make them be ready um, because I don't want to hear about it or because I think it's better if it's like, you know, my job is to be here with you in your process and, and your process may, it may take a while
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and that is your process and you're entitled to it.
0: I think that's important to remember for our clients and also the people we love in our life as well mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what let's let's flip the script for a moment and i don't know if this is even possible but what about boundaries on ourselves do we ever need to look at boundaries we need to set in terms of what we're asking of people what we're expecting of people especially if we're a coach or a therapist a boundary of giving advice without being asked are there any self boundaries that are healthy to set mm,
1: oh my gosh! There are so many self boundaries to set one that I'm practicing right now is putting my phone away for about oh gosh, at least an hour and a half or so, um particularly when my kids arrive home just to mm-hmm. have that time. but that is a boundary because no one else can do that for me. There's not a you know a genie who can come and take my phone away for an hour and a half. That is me placing it. Typically in another room upstairs away from me, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. And that is what keeps me accountable for that boundary. Other boundaries that I have, using a timer on social media so I'm not one there using time in a way that I may later, later regret. You know, Mm -hmm. lots of the boundaries that we have for ourselves, we have to uphold those. And it's a really beautiful thing to hold yourself accountable because it teaches you just how hard it is for other people to hold themselves accountable. So as we're calling on other people, you need to do this. Here's my boundary. Honor it. And we find them um, dishonoring our boundaries. Sometimes it's because it's just hard to break habits. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and we know that because we're doing it, you know most most of us can't put our phone down, most of us can't you know go to bed at a reasonable hour. most of us you know like all of these things i wanna i wanna pay my tax before the week that's due, you know <laughs> we also struggle with that, and so just in knowing and recognizing your humanness, I hope that it leads you to recognizing. The humanness and others and people not always getting things right and not always um, knowing how to how to do something and it really being a process for them to shift those habits. But, you know, personally, in relationships, we can't change people and we have to decide how much we want to accept. That's the boundary. Yeah. How much of this do you want to tolerate what, do you, what can you change about yourself if you want to remain in it? And do you want to leave it? Those are all your personal choices. Those are boundaries you can set with yourself. I will not be in relationships with people who um, yell at me, or I will not be in relationships with people who um, lack integrity. I will not be. Those are all your personal boundaries. Mm. And those are things that, that you can honor. Um, And you honor them by really holding yourself to that. This person does not have integrity. And that's a really important thing to me. And I can no longer be in this relationship.
0: Mm, mm, I love that. And the the phone thing is such a great example of, it seems like a little thing, but it's a big thing. It's a big thing because it takes discipline. (laughs) It takes commitment. Mm -hmm. And, And in doing that, we're actually and this is why boundaries are one of the many reasons boundaries are so healthy because by saying no to something else we're or opening the door to something more healthy like our time with our kids or reading a book mm-hmm. or being just being away from the emf and the the noise of everything that comes through our phone and those boundaries of this is what I'll tolerate in a friendship um in a work situation in a relationship we teach a program Uh, for women calling in their their love their partner and one of the things we have them do is write their dating guidelines you know their boundaries around dating something like i will not sit and text with someone for a week (laughs) it's either going to move to a phone call or we're done or i'm not going to go on a date Mm -hmm. unless we have a phone call because why bother and then also Mm non-negotiables of this is these are the top five things that i must have that i just will not compromise so we're, and those are these, from what I'm hearing from you, these are all boundaries that we're setting by getting really, really clear on what we want in our life and what's not healthy for us. So in everything we're saying, boundaries are like a critical part of our mental and emotional health, wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. And a, a really important thing to remember is we can be very good in setting You know, boundaries in one area and not so good in another. For instance, there are people who have impeccable boundaries at work. I do not stay over. I tell, but boy, oh boy, in their romantic relationships, unhealthy boundaries. Or it could be the opposite, or we could have great boundaries with our friends and not so great boundaries with our children. So, you know, it it doesn't mean that just because I'm great in this one area, I have great boundaries all around. It's like, no, you're really good in that area. And I think Mm. we have to think about which areas for us need improvement, because it may not be all areas. You may you may be able to operate well Uh, with, with technology and not so well with family relationships. So it's really important to be clear about where you are in your particular
0: boundary process. Mm, That's so helpful. Take a little boundary inventory, put the, you know, the various areas Mm -hmm. of your life and really look at, okay, am I feeling anxiety in this area? Am I feeling resentment? Am I feeling, am i avoiding am i am I burning out and really look at the boundaries i i i'm curious cuz you've worked with so many people and seen a lot of things what's in the, can you think of any common examples of things people do and are allowing and they don't even realize it's a boundary violation maybe even a parent child relationship would would perhaps be a good example or a romantic relationship where maybe you've been in therapy with a client and they, they they didn't even realize that what they were doing was not maintaining a healthy boundary.
1: So this is always really interesting because there are so many things that dictate our boundaries, mm-hmm. but one of the biggest thing is our comfort level. What I may see as a a boundary violation for me may not be a boundary violation for you, and so. There are very few things that are like general boundaries outside of things that are like legal, right? Or things that are like um, breaking of the law, like assault or stealing, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, those in general, those are really big things. But, you know, someone popping up at your house unannounced that may be my boundary. That may not be your boundary. It really depends on your comfort level. I am uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. You may be comfortable with that. So you get to set your boundaries um, in a lot of these areas. There is no rule about how people should um, proceed with certain things. And I think sometimes what we typically will do, we'll think our boundary is bad because somebody else thinks that something similar for them is bad. And it's like, well, is it a problem? Like, you know, if it's not a problem for you, like I I happen to not sleep with a TV in my room. If you sleep with a TV in your room you're not having sleep issues you don't have any you know procrastination or anything like that continue <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that practice it's just it's just my preference and you could have a different preference but those are you know those are boundaries that I set with myself and yours may look different and it's okay to have a difference of boundaries as long as it is not pa- impacting anyone
0: Mm. else. Mm. I love that. What about with, with kids? Uh, This is a question I get a lot from parents and and I don't have children. You mentioned that you do. So you're probably much better to answer this question than I would ever be, at least not yet. Like what's the best way to teach our kids boundaries?
1: Most kids already know their boundaries. (laughs) What is the best way for us to, um, help them communicate their boundaries in a respectful way
0: Mm. because
1: kids already know their boundaries. They, they, they tell us what they want, what they don't want. And I would, I'm going to go back a little bit. I think that, that most adults are kid experts because we all used to be kids. (laughs) That's true. Uh, That's true. (laughs) So you know exactly what it's like to be a kid. I think we tune out of that. Mm-hmm. We too. It's like we become an adult and we forget, you know, like first grade or we forget like third grade. And it's like, no, you used to be a kid like, you know, exactly what it's like to get your first crush. Like mm-hmm. you have a lot of insight. All adults, all adults are experts on kids because they used to be kids. <laughs> um now back to and I and I say that a lot to my clients who who don't have kids. They're like, I don't know, I'm not a mom. I'm like, but you used to be a kid, so you kind of do know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you have some excellent insight. So I, I think that kids have some boundaries. We do need to teach them, you know, maybe a few more, but very naturally, if we just allow them to exercise their right to choose on their intuition. They probably can communicate some boundaries. I think, unfortunately, what happens with a lot of children is adults teach them not to trust their gut. Mm -hmm. And with that, we learn to not have boundaries because we start to think about, oh, my gosh, this is me. And there are a lot of situations where we feel uncomfortable and it is dangerous, but we stay in them because we don't want to make the other person uncomfortable. And and so it could be very dangerous to bypass your own intuition of needing a boundary with something. And the other day, my uh, four year old, she was saying something like, you have to trust your parents. You have to trust parents. Everybody has to trust everybody's parents. We said, no, you do not. Mm -hmm. you can you can trust your parents we don't know about these other kids parents um you don't have to listen to every adult because some adults they don't know what they're talking about they
0: don't (laughs) that's so true (laughs) 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 yeah do
1: not Listen to every adult, actually. They're not qualified. Like, Age does not qualify not qualified. you. qualified.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: I, I make it a point of, you know, if an adult says something wrong, I try to say it in front of my kids. Not, you know, exactly in front of the adult. I try not to. But I will say, you know, that person didn't say that correct. Because I don't want you to think, like, because they're an adult, they're this all-knowing being. No, they're not. Right. right. <laughs> That's why we have Googles. Adults are using Google, you know, like we don't know everything, you know, a lot of stuff I have to say, Ooh, let me go look that up. I'm learning with you. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know everything. And so kids, a lot of times they know they, especially with like their, their food, like I'm full. I don't want to eat this. I prefer to eat that. I don't want to give this person a hug. Why do I have to go over? Like they know all of these things and we are teaching them. No, you're not full enough. No, you need to eat more. Keep going. This person is safe. Even if you feel uncomfortable, go over, let your, let your grandmother kiss you on the lips, like all of these things. And I, you know, I, I tell my kids, if, you know, if you don't want to hug somebody, you don't have to.
0: Mm. Hug should
1: be something that you want to give to people. What I mean, you want to, to me, it's a chokehold, (laughs) right? It's like, you got to force yourself through it. Isn't it like a, a, that's not a hug. I don't know what that is, but that's not a, you know, a warm embrace because that's what it should be. So if you don't want to hug, people don't hug them. And, you know, a lot of adults, we get offended When a kid says something like, oh, I don't want to hug. It's like, why don't you want to hug me? And it's like, yeah, I don't. They don't have to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love what you said about kids really know their boundaries um, because we do, we do. Because as kids, mm-hmm. we aren't so concerned with what people think of us, and then as adults, it's like we're we're strategizing so much with what's somebody going to think or is this okay, and and we're we're disconnected from that kid part of us. So what what I'm hearing is another tip, or maybe I'm just making this up. Is hey, if you want to. Set bound better boundaries. Get in touch with your inner child that that kid in you. You know your preferences. Yeah. You know what you like. You know what worked for you, and what didn't. Um, we all have that beautiful inner wisdom. So thank you for highlighting that. That's such an important important point. Yeah, I
1: remember. <laughs> I remember being a teenager and working somewhere, and there was a guy that worked there, and he would give all of the ladies like a kiss on the cheek. And I had to say, Hey, no, 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 do not do that. <laughs> don't do that to me. And they were, You're mean. I'm like, This is gross. Like, his lips are wet. I don't want this, Ugh. like, man kissing me. And I know he was trying to be, like, nice, like, Hey, how mm-hmm. are you? I'm like, Yeah. I'm great. Can you just say hi though? I don't
0: want the kiss on the cheek. Yep. Yep. I had to do that with a girlfriend of mine. She'd always give me a kiss on the cheek and she always had lip gloss on and I didn't like it. And finally, and I would just cringe and, and it was impacting my friendship with her. And finally I said, I love you. I love giving you a hug when we see each other, but I just would prefer the kiss on the cheek. I just don't like it. Is it okay? Like, no, thank you. And she was like, oh, no problem. I mean, luckily she was able to react pleasant to it and, you know, has never kissed me on the cheek since. I'm curious in your situation with that gentleman, what what was his reaction?
1: It was a laugh off. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like a ha ha, but he didn't do it anymore. So it, it, let's laugh it off. I'd do right. that 5,000 more times. Yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> Rather laugh with you than I have mean, your it, lips on my cheek
1: it's so awkward to say these things. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is, it's not like, Oh, I'm super comfortable telling someone don't do this. It's like, but I'm more uncomfortable having this like face that I now feel like I need to get an alcohol swab for to wipe it. Like, I just that made me so much more uncomfortable than just Mm -hmm. telling what my boundary was. Mm.
0: Mm. Well, let's go back to the, the people getting upset piece for a moment, because uh, I bet you have some great responses and tips for this. So we, let's say we make a boundary and the person does get upset or the person tells us you're making too big of a deal of this or I'm not that bad or I don't call that often and immediately dismisses or even maybe even goes into gaslighting your request. How do we handle that one?
1: We don't have to match people's feelings and we also don't have to defend ourselves. Those are things that we feel like we have to do because we're trying to be understood by a person who doesn't understand us because yeah. the boundary is not about them. It is about me. So when I say something to someone like I, I've mentioned some boundaries to people, and they are you mad at me? It's like, no, I just don't want you to come. It's <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. It's just I don't enjoy this experience with you and I don't want you to come. That's mm-hmm. it. I'm mm-hmm. not mad. I'm, and people do feel this tendency to it's almost like they're trying to get you out of the boundary by giving these explanations. I'm not that bad. It wasn't that terrible. It's like but it still is for me. So, lots of times, by the time I communicated the boundary, you can't really negotiate your way out of it mm. I, it's it's not an it's not a negotiation um field right now it is this is what it is um honor it or not you know you have a choice you don't have to honor it, and then I have to decide what I'll do if you don't honor it but i'm I'm not here to negotiate you know, some of these things that, that keep me safe and comfortable.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's talk about situations where someone says something that we find offensive um, or that hurts us. Maybe they do it in a private setting. Maybe they do it in a public setting. I can remember back in my days of being the only woman, woman in a male department at a Hollywood agency. There were many comments that were made kind of quote unquote, jokingly that, were offensive. And back then I didn't really have the maturity or the guts to say anything. I just kind of laughed it off or you know, swallowed my feelings about it, but I could feel it in my gut. Any advice or anything we can say when we're in those situations where it isn't like an ongoing thing, but it just happens in the moment. And I know for me often I've dismissed those comments cuz I'm like, "Oh, it's just a one-time thing. This is just, you know, I'll never mm-hmm. see these people again." Or sometimes it's ongoing, but for those, for those offensive comments, for those comments that hurt that, you know, the other person thinks it's a joke or it's not a big deal. What are some things we can say? How can we really honor that boundary and speaking up for ourselves or or calling someone out and saying, Hey, you know, that's not okay. What you just said.
1: One of my favorite things in these situations is to say, that's not funny.
0: Mm. Yep. That's not funny.
1: Yeah. The last time someone, um, said an offensive joke, I said, that's not funny. And they kept tra- and I said, it's still not funny. It's not a funny joke. Mm. And I have a really good sense of humor. I love comedy. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> Me too. From
1: Kevin Hart and Cat Williams to Michael Scott on, you know, the office. like I love mm. comedy. Right. So I have a pretty broad sense of humor and, and you're not going to tell me something offensive is funny. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. That wasn't, a, that wasn't a funny joke. Yeah. So just just being mindful and, and just saying that, you know, that's not funny. Or, you know, another one is that was mean.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. And just let that it land. That was
1: offensive. Yeah. Yeah, just let it land. It's nothing to talk about. People... Because people are uncomfortable with you saying something to them, they will likely say, well, I was just because they're trying to justify why this inappropriate behavior was okay. And you don't have to condone inappropriate behavior.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: And we we do it. We we condone it when we don't say anything, when we laugh along because we're uncomfortable saying anything. And it's okay to say to people, That's, that wasn't a funny joke. That, As a matter of fact, that wasn't a joke. It was an offensive statement.
0: Yep. I saw one of the men I worked with about maybe 10 years after I left the business. And I'd done a lot of work on myself and mustered up some courage. And he was sitting next to me at a restaurant. And before I left, he was like we were both on our way to the bathroom or something. So he was away from who he was with and I was away from who I was with. And I said to him, and I'll just make up a name, I'll just call him Scott, that wasn't his name. I said, you know, Scott, a lot of the things you used to say to me were really offensive and I really hope you don't treat women or subordinates like that anymore. And he was just dumbfounded. And I have to tell you, it felt really good to say that. And even though it was 10 years later, Mm -hmm. it felt really good because what, I had regret about was one, not, you know, not speaking up for myself, but two, like anyone who came after me, they would probably take it too. And so when we do speak up and we say that was mean or that's offensive, I mean, obviously we can't change people, but at least we're, we're honoring our boundary and we're sounding an alarm so that if enough people say that Mm -hmm. to someone, maybe, eventually they'll be like oh maybe I should take a look at this and you know the other thing that I reminded my younger self of is had I spoken up and had they fired me or outed me or whatever that wasn't the place for me anyway i i hated that job so why was i trying so hard to protect something that i didn't feel great in anyway And that's one of the things I personally learned about boundaries is if I say something that's a boundary for me, that's not coming from being reactive or being controlling or trying to insert my opinion on someone else, but when I'm just really honoring my truth and my boundaries, and if someone can't respect that, well, then why am I in that job? Why am I in that relationship? Mm. And that's been a great thing for me to keep in mind when I have fear about setting a boundary is, is if this blows up for whatever reason, I'm super clear that I need to move on in whatever the way that means. So that's helped me a bit with the courage part. I don't know if that's ever helped you, but that's helped me with the courage part a little bit.
1: I think the thing that helps me the most is knowing that everyone will not respect your boundaries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. <laughs> and I won't respect everyone's boundaries. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a two-way street. People can have boundaries with me. And I'm like, nope, not doing that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if someone says, Hey, it's my birthday party, and we're going skydiving, I'm not going. No thanks. No thanks. You know, I don't have to do everything other people want to do, and they don't have to do everything I want to do.
0: Exactly. And that can be okay. We have and that to like, can be okay. Yeah. We got to let go of like everybody needs to like us because not possible. I don't like everybody. Not everybody's going to like me. I'm not going to have that expectation. And I found a lot of peace in letting go of, of course, I would be lying if I said, I never care what anyone thinks of me. That would be not true. Mm. Of course I do. But I have let go so much of what people think of me to the point of sacrificing my own boundaries. And that has been Mm. liberating and also very good for my mental health. And I'm sure that I've upset some people with my boundaries but in the long run, I'd rather have them be upset at me and have a more authentic relationship than resenting them down the line. That just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, as we wrap up here, I wanted to t- touch on one last thing before we talk about where people can get your your amazing book and, and connect with you. And you have an incredible Instagram page where you just post great content That's you you, you drop so much wisdom in just a few slides or a few words. And one that I wanted to highlight was um, actually, when you posted today about you can still be a work in progress, and I'm bringing this up because a lot of the callers in the show and I've done three hundred live calls, they start with "I've done so much work, I've done so much growth, but I still have this thing, and I feel like I just am not making progress. Will you speak mm-hmm. to progress a little bit and and how it's completely normal <laughs> that some things just take time, that just because we have the awareness, mm-hmm. there's not the immediate shift. So I'd love you just to, to speak to what you've seen on you know, people being hard on themselves and personal growth or development because they get it, but they haven't changed and giving us grace for, for progress in our process.
1: Yeah, I plan on being a work in progress until I die. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> Because I don't think I'll ever reach the epitome of like evolvement, right? Like I've done every type of piece of work on, you know, I think of of it like a house. Like I think my house is pretty nice, but I constantly look at things like, you know what? I think I'm gonna change those doors. Yeah, gotta get new doors. Oh, Look at those vents. I never noticed they were cream and the wall is white. Gotta get new vents. You know, it's it's really <laughs> nothing wrong with it. And I'm I'm highlighting like these small things, mm-hmm. but to me it would just make it like a, a tad bit better. And it's it's sort of like us. We we are constantly like like tweaking these things. And you know, it's okay to take a pause for doing the work. You know, sometimes you you get to a space where you've done enough enough work and you need to just pause and live. And if you want to go back to doing some more work, you can say, you know, again, like a house, you don't have to do everything at one time, you can take a break, and that is okay. Yeah. And so being a work in progress is a lifelong process. Um, I imagine my last day of life, I will be saying, gosh, I need to drink more water today. (laughs) That is, (laughs) That is my daily struggle. And I imagine it will always be getting those, getting those ounces in, right? Um, But yeah, you're entitled to have things to work on. Even if you worked on 20 things, there's going to be something new, I promise you. In two years, there's going to be some new pop psychology term, and then you'll be working on that. And then in five years, there'll be another new pop psychology term, and you'll be working on that. And so the work will keep going, mm. and you will keep going with it. There is, you know, there is peace in, in being a work in progress when you accept that and not being at the end of, okay, worked on my mom issues. I don't have anything else right. to do. It's like, well, you always late to stuff. You, yeah. know, you want to work on that? Yeah. You know, don't think you're done because you worked on your mom's stuff. You have about 12 more things on my list.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the mom stuff may come back up. Like there may be another layer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it's one of these things that we will always, there'll always be something there. We have to decide how it fits in, when we're ready to do it, um, and, and, and do it when we can. And, and be okay with that. Be okay with never quite having everything together, but mm-hmm. just getting better.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I share with you in the, as long as I'm here, there's no there. As long as I'm here on the planet, I'm a work in progress. I have the opposite water problem. I drink so much water. My biggest problem is where's the bathroom? <laughs> where's the nearest ah. bathroom? So I, 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 we both have water issues, but maybe on our deathbed, we'll work them out. Who knows? (laughs) Um, As we round out here, I'd love for you to share a little bit about what people can expect when they order your book, set boundaries and find peace, what that can really help them with and where they they can go and get the book.
1: Yes. So my book is available everywhere that books are sold. And what they can expect is a detailed view of What is a boundary? What are boundaries? Um, How to implement them? The ways that we go wrong and so much about boundaries with yourself, boundaries with your family, friends, romantic relationships, work, social media and technology. In the book, I've included a ton of scripts on what to say, because mm. I think that is the biggest thing we get caught up on. Like, what do I say? Totally. It's like, here's yep. what, here is the sentence that you say when you want to do this thing. And so there are so many scripts and concepts around this is what a boundary violation might look like. Um, and this is how to rectify it. So I wanted to give people some real tools to get through boundary issues.
0: Mm. Everybody go get the book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Follow Nendra on Instagram. She, I love her Instagram account. I'll link all of this up in to the show notes so you can find it there um, any any parting thoughts that you have for our listeners, knowing that there's a lot of people pleasers listening, any words that you could speak to the to the people, pleasers about boundaries?
1: Um, you know i I don't have have any words other than grab the book and and do the work. Mm. you know, I think that you really have to do the work to break the mindset, and the book talks a lot about the mindset and you being deserving of healthy boundaries as much as anyone else. Mm -hmm. So I would say get the book and start to work on
0: those people
1: pleasing tendencies.
0: Yep. It's not an overnight quick fix. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having
1: me.